This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'll Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thanks for being here today. All right. We've got a fun duo interview today. We've got Sarah Vaughn and Dakota Lindworm, both sponsored by Puma on the podcast. They both ran PRs at the Chicago Marathon, and I thought it would be fun to have them on together. Sarah ran a 223-24, which was a three-minute PR. Let's not fail to mention that Sarah debuted the marathon in 2021, just two years ago at CIM running a 226.53. Last year in Chicago, she was seventh place uh, running 226.23. So to say this field was stacked this year would be an understatement. Sarah's been on the podcast several times, so many times. She's one of my favorite people in the sport. Uh, She's also the mom of four. She's a realtor. And she tells us about taking risks this time around, like putting a lot more into the running basket. And uh, it seems like the risks really paid off here in Chicago. Sarah comes from a 1500 meter background. And to learn more about her story. All right, listen. (laughs) Oh, man, Sarah, I love you. You've been on the podcast so many times. Um, So she was first on the podcast episode 283 several years ago and then she was on again in episode 302 349 416 443 and here we are again today uh dakota lindworm is my other guest today and if if you've never witnessed dakota running a race or you know a marathon specifically the woman smiles the entire race and it's seriously like not just saying that She is grinning from ear to ear. She truly loves what she gets to do, and it is an absolute joy to watch Dakota perform out there. She's also a returning guest on the podcast, though only been on once. She was episode 398 after she won the 2022 Grandma's Marathon in a time of 2.25.01. This year in Chicago, uh, she ran a 2.24.40, which was a 35-second PR, uh, was 12th place overall two places behind Sarah's 10th place. And though she PR'd, she was a little bit disappointed and said that she felt she was a little bit stronger, could have run a little bit faster based on her training. And she'll talk about that in this episode. And one of the things with Dakota we talk about this in this episode is her very strong progression in the marathon. You know, in 2020, she ran the trials in 239.08 and she is just a totally different runner now. She is totally on a different level and it has been so cool to see her progress and see what she's able to do and accomplish. And I cannot wait to see what this woman does in the coming years at the trials and for many years to come in her career. All right, friends, this podcast is supported by Two Before. This is a delicious drink that I've been drinking before my big strength workouts. It increases your endurance, manages inflammation, supports immunity, and promotes adaptation. It's packed with adaptogens, helping the body manage stress and restore balance. And it is made with black currant berries which helps bring oxygenated blood to your muscles. It's also very delicious, refreshing, tart. I love the taste of it. 
I had it this morning before my alpha strength workout, which is an intense workout, strength workout I've been doing at the gym. You all can save 30% and enjoy this wonderful, delicious drink that will deliver a big athletic punch to your performances. Go to 2before, that's the number two, twobefore.com, and use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, for 30% off a pack of 20 packets. Twobefore.com, code Lindsay for 30% off a pack of 20. All right, friends, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Sarah Vaughn and Dakota Lindworm. All right, we've got some Chicago Marathon Puma athlete rock stars on the show. Sarah and Dakota, welcome. Thanks, Lindsay. Yeah, thanks for having us. Okay, congratulations. How are you both feeling? We'll start with you, Dakota. Um, I feel really good. I think this is the least sore I've ever been after a marathon, which I think um, just comes from, at this point, my body's like just being beat into submission um, <laughs> after like 15 marathons. So I feel really good. And Sarah? Yeah, kind of the same. I'm like not too sore. Um, I ran with my daughter like the next day and on Tuesday, which I think helps. I also went straight into the pool um, like right after the race with Davey. So I think just like forcing yourself to move around a little bit helps. But um, also I think Dakota, you and I both wore the same shoes. And I think that kind of protects your legs a little bit um, relative to last year when we wore, I wore a different shoe that had um, harder foam in the heel. I felt way more beat up than I did this year. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I didn't think to contribute it to the shoes, but that's probably it because that's, that's the only different factor between this and other marathons for me. Yeah. Okay, tell me more about the shoes though because that's what we hear so much with the Super show, Shoe is like recovery time is so much better so you can like rip another marathon so much quicker than you used to be able to. Yeah, I mean, they're just like really protective. Um, so they're just taking a lot of the impact, I think. Um, I don't know. That's my theory. But I, I felt way better than the three marathons I finished previously um, with, you know, a Puma shoe, but a different foam. You know, I was looking back through both of your marathon histories and I'm just like, I'm blown away. Like, Sarah, you debuted the marathon in 2021. That is two years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's wild to think about. Obviously, you have this like big, long career leading up to it. Um, In those two years, though, like what changes have you seen in like the shoe technology and just your training? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm still pretty conservative in my training. So I hear a lot about how people can like squeeze in extra workouts because they recover faster. But I think because I'm a little bit older, even though I'm fresh to the marathon, um, I only work out once a week. And I, you know, I take plenty of recovery days in between. So that's my personal theory. I don't, for me, it hasn't changed anything, but it is nice to be able to walk downstairs the next day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You only work out once a week, meaning you do one like interval or tempo session, then plus your long run. Yeah. Yep. That's right. So I do like Wednesday, Saturday or Wednesday, Sunday. So I get two or three days of recovery between. Okay. Yeah. Um, I saw two. You're working with the Craig's. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, tell me about and that. And I have my North Carolina mug this morning. <gasps> oh, wait. Um, you're working with the Craigs. Does that mean that you're going to come to Raleigh sometime? I mean, I hope so. My daughter's also looking at NC State, um, so that's definitely one of her um, one of her top choices. So I'm hoping – I mean, I, I'm going to be happy wherever she goes, but, uh, but that's one of the top choices. So if she goes there, I'll come visit her, and it'll be multipurpose, yeah. 
Yeah, I was actually thinking about that. It's kind of exciting living in Raleigh for that reason. Like NC State is such a big time school with running, obviously, these days. And so Mm -hmm. it's fun to see like the pro athletes, like where their kids are going to go. Like Sarah Hall's daughter is going to NC State. So, um, well, yeah, good. Because then if you come, we'll have to grab a coffee and do an easy run with me on the tobacco trail. I have to tell you, so she made, she's making like a big chart of pros and cons for all of the, um, all the universities and for NC State, um, she put like the Crags and you, and we have a couple of other friends, even though she doesn't know you, I'm like, oh, but Lindsay's there too. And, you know, and she's the mom and she, you know, she could, you could always call her if you need. So, um, yeah. And our friend Melissa and Jason, um, yeah. yeah, So those are in the positive category for NC State. So that, you know, it holds some weight. (laughs) I was thinking about that, though. I was like, is it weird? Because, you know, when you go away to college, like if you're far, if you're more than what, like two hours, you're not going home and visiting parent, your parents on the weekend. You're not going home and having like lunch on Sundays. And I'm like, well, they could come to our house and and have lunch. And, you know, I had that in college. Yeah. In my freshman year, my aunt's best friend from high school lived um, in Charlottesville. So I would go over there for like things. I think even one year I didn't go home for Thanksgiving. So I went to their house and I would babysit their kids and just hang out, like have a little bit of normalcy outside of college life. Dakota, were, did you grow up close to where you went to school? I forget. I was five hours away. So okay. oh, it that's was kind like- of that same, like, I'm not going home for a weekend, but I'm going home for, for holidays. Yeah. Um, the last Raleigh connection is how random is it? My the trainer that I've been working oh with my gosh. lifetime. I meant to find this photo. I should go find it real quick. Yeah, go ahead. So I so I joined this bougie gym. Everybody, <laughs> lifetime. Everybody knows what lifetime is, right? It is like yeah. I was like, never will I ever join a lifetime. I looked at the prices for like the family. I was like, well, our family's not joining, but I will join. <laughs> so I like ditched my like you know. Uh, uh, what are they called? Like boutique, like Pilates and spin. And I just do lifetime now. So I did the one-on-one meeting with the trainer and we were talking through some things and I don't know how it, he said he was a trainer at CU. And I was like, Oh, I know some people that went there. And then we just made the connection that he did a Bible study with you. And now I go to yep. his like alpha strength class, which is sort of crossfitty, but, um, he is just wonderful. Uh, he, I mean, we've talked a little bit about my college experience and Vernon was one of the people that was like, so supportive, so sweet, like a godsend for Brent and I during that time. Like, and and like I told you, I have these awesome photos. I mean, he's a big dude. He was like a football trainer, also worked with cross country, but I have him with photos of him holding Kiki and it's just the sweetest little thing. It's so cute. And he was like, he was one of those who was like, bring Kiki as soon as you can, as soon as you want to come visit. I can't wait to meet her. So... He's a sweet guy. I'm so cool. I, I think it's so cool. I'm so glad that you guys are connected. It's so random. Like it is like super the random. random of all random things. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's talk about Chicago a little bit. Dakota. Okay. I, you know what I'm going to say that you were smiling the entire race. Like I, I know everybody says that, but it is so true. And we were just talking about this on the relay podcast. Like when I cheer for um, the pros, I'm like, you know, I always cheer, cheer by name and I think I even mentioned this on Relay, like specifically you two. Like I cheer for Sarah and Sarah's just like laser focused, like not looking from side to side. And Dakota's like, I like just (laughs) And it's so interesting to see the different, um, I don't know if the word is like tactics or methods, but the question always comes back to, to me for you, Dakota, is like, obviously you're working so, so, so hard and hurting just as bad as everybody else out there. 
like how do you stay so like composed in that like happy face I think it's kind of a mixture I when I first started running post-collegiately like this is just not something I imagined I would be at I guess like this level is still so crazy to me so when somebody cheers for me by name I'm like I must you must be a family member or a friend so like when it's somebody who is random it's just like oh it just like still just brings so much joy to me that I am somebody that people know and want to cheer for um and then also I just really do love what I'm doing so I don't know I feel like we're out there to perform like we're there to kind of put on a show and I guess that's my way of like making it interesting for the spectators because it can kind of just be like a lot of people being really laser focused up front and I think that's fine and I think that works for some people but for me I can't be too serious about it um I guess that's just kind of my personality too like if you knew me outside of running I'm just kind of giggly and fun and I it translates to running for me it makes running seem like so carefree and happy and you know us everyday runners like take it seriously too you know people that are trying to go for a BQ or break a certain time and I think that when people can see you out there like competing with the best of the best like smiling the whole way it puts it into perspective like hey we're doing this for fun yeah it's I mean nobody's got a gun to our head saying hey you've got to run 26.2 miles as fast as you can we choose to do it and we're excited about it for months and months leading up to it why be so like serious about it on the day so you you ran 22440 and I I saw you said like, oh my gosh, I can't believe in my wildest dreams. Like this would be a disappointing time for me to run. Yeah. You were fit to run a little bit faster. Uh, tell us a little bit about expectations going in and, and what um, that time meant to you. I um, was kind of expecting to run somewhere around 223. I thought on like the best day if everything came together, I thought I could run a 222. Um, and sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. It, if anything, it just gives me another, you know, thing to shoot for. But you can't ever be mad with a PR. And I'm running now 10 minutes faster than what I debuted in in 2018. So wow. again, like I can't be no reason to be upset. It's such a blessing to be sad about a 224. But um, yeah, I guess training just showed a 223, a 222 on a good day. Now, you had a rough race in Boston, though, in the spring. So um, how did you pull yourself together after that and focus on Chicago? So yeah, Boston was hard for me. It got so, I think Sarah and I had similar um, experiences where it just got so cold. Um, I, I ended up like losing my vision a little bit and I was just thankful to finish. And of course you're disappointed when the day doesn't go well, but like when there are outside factors, like your body is just not responding and like shutting down, there's only so much disappointment. And then I actually came back and did grandma's because that's just a race I can't quite give up. And I had a pretty good day there. And I felt like that was a good confidence booster for going into Chicago. Um, Chicago is one of the first marathons I've done that's completely flat. And I know that that suits me a little bit more. So I was excited to go there and kind of hammer it. Yeah, you mentioned like 10 minutes faster than your first marathon. And I was, you know, I have all your progression written down and I was looking through this as well. It's crazy too. Like the 2020 trials, 36th place, 239. Like you are going into the trials this year in 2024. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm like, oh, this is a completely different runner. Like yeah. just that experience of those four years and the 
huge leaps you've taken. So how do you feel going into this trials? I feel super excited because like the 2020 trials, it was kind of like, I'm here for the experience. I'm here to just like enjoy it, which I will also enjoy it in 2024. But I feel like my name can be thrown in the hat or be thrown around a little bit more where before it was like nobody knew who I was in 2020, which is fine. Um, But I I feel like I'm still kind of a dark horse, but somebody that people should think about or be worried about. A hundred percent. How do you feel about, I know it's cliche to ask because everybody asks this question, but like, how do you feel about the noon start time and it being in Orlando? Um, Personally, I'm fine with it. I think that levels the playing field because we all know like um, Emily Sisson is just on a different level than a lot of us or Kira D'Amato. They're going to, they could really go out there and hammer it. And I think it being warmer actually levels it and gives an underdog a chance. So I think as somebody who's not leading the charge i'm fine with it um personally oh yeah that's such a good point hey everybody all right go get yourself some protein powder from prevenex it is my favorite it is called the nurify plus i use this when i am moving from a workout to a quick after-school pickup or whatever's on my schedule for the day. It is a fast way to get in nutrients you need after a workout when you're on the go. I usually shake it up with some water. I like the chocolate when it's with water and I have a banana with that so I get a very nice balance of proteins, fats, carbs. This is a vegan product. It's made with very clean ingredients and you can just get on a subscription plan. So like once every six weeks or whatever the frequency you need. It can just be delivered to your door. Uh, Prevenex also has great multivitamins, multivitamins for adults and kids. My kids take their super bites. Highly recommend their products. Go to Prevenex.com, use the code ANOTHER, and that will get you 15% off your first order. That's Prevenex.com, use the code ANOTHER for 15% off your first order. All right, friends, back to the show. Now, this will be your first marathon trials, Sarah. Yeah. Okay, so obviously you're experienced in the whole trials setting and being at these really high-level races, but tell us how you feel about it being the marathon trials and this group of women you'll be competing with. Yeah, I kind of struggle with um, my my thoughts on the marathon trials versus track trials. I I probably have some unpopular opinions, but I'm used to – Going Wait, to, we want to hear an unpopular opinion on the start there. line. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know how – I mean, and I'm sensitive to, like, what an achievement it is for people to qualify for the trials. But, again, I'm used to an event that takes 36 people. There's 12 on the start line, and then there's 12 in the final. And uh, it's very prestigious, you know, like – if you look at percentage-wise, the people who try to qualify for the trials versus the people who make it, it's a very small percentage um, on the track. So, like, the like watching the marathon trials in Atlanta, I was like, was there 500 women? I mean, I'm like, I got yeah. tense. I got, like, just watching it, my shoulders were at my ears. I was like, that looks so uncomfortable to me. So, um, like, Chicago, I was like, just practice, like, like get uncomfortable, like, jamming yourself in a pack of people because I'm just so not used to that. Um, the noon start time, I felt like I didn't deserve to have an opinion on that. I was like, it's an organizing committee and USATF that should know what they're doing. I know um, historically that's maybe up for debate, but, like, in this case, I was like, who am I to say? I don't care. I have a sauna. I'll be fine. I have a sauna. 
Like, have they talked to you guys more about why it's at noon? Because we had an in-depth conversation with Kara Goucher about it, and she was saying it was very much around, like, you know, um, airtime and, like, getting more eyes on the sport midday because of the West Coast people, like, tuning in. Has has USATF mentioned that to you all? Um, I feel like I knew that that's why it would be. Yeah. The more money in the sport is great because, again, versus the track trials, like, I had to pay my way every year. I had to pay for my hotel. I had to, you know, like, spend a fortune to even get to Eugene or whatever. So the fact that the organizing committee slash USATF pays for the qualifiers to get there, that's cool. So if they need a way to make money and if that's selling a noon TV time, like, I guess I understand that. So you said Chicago. You were like, okay, let me practice this for the trials. Did it feel like that in Chicago with that start with so many people? Yeah, that starts pretty manic. Um, like for the first 5K, it's it's uh, it's it's a lot of noise. It's a lot of bumping. Um, I actually, I got clipped. Um, I mean, we can. I don't know how you like the order you want to talk about this in, but I got clipped yeah. probably Go. Tw- yeah. 20, 50 times in the first half by men who were like infiltrating our little pack, which it's an open road. It's fine. I get it. But um, I, so I think I got some good practice with like being in a pack because I kept trying to get right behind Ben or behind the other women who were going with him. I purposefully didn't like stay wide or I just like was really practicing tucking in and, and, getting, you know, used to the elbows swinging at my nose. And um, I think I got good practice. But elbow swinging at your nose, you shouldn't have that much at the trials because it's going to be more people your size. That's true. That's true. Like the men, I'm assuming that like you, I'm assuming you're saying elbows at your nose, like these guys were probably like six, seven inches taller than you. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. But at the same token, it's just, you know, Getting comfortable with people being in your space while you're running at a certain speed was was hard for me. So I'm glad that I got some practice with that. And, you know, Ben, like Ben being our pacer um, was really aware of that, too. And so there was there was even a little like conversation or confrontation with Ben being like, you're, if you trip one of these women, like there's going to be a problem. Whoa. So there was a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of stuff going on. I was actually thinking about that as I was like cheering for everybody. So I was at mile two, 14, 17. And then I, we raced over to the finish. We raced over to the finish. We did a walk jog to the finish. Uh, We did miss the world record though. We did not get there fast enough for that. But um, I was thinking that as we're like cheering our heads off for all you women, I'm like, are the guys that are up there with you just like, hmm, you know, like they're running really fast too and trying really hard too. But y'all are like the rock stars that we're cheering for. And I always wonder, like, how do they feel being in that mix with all the elite women? It was half and half in my pack. Like, a couple of the guys were, like, really aware of what we were trying to accomplish and were actually really helpful. Like, they would get up next to Ben and, make, you know, block a little extra wind or whatever. But some of them kept trying to – they would ask Ben, like, "What's your, what are you doing? Because he had a bib that said pacer. And so they'd be like, what's your plan? They'd be like, oh, we're trying to run 532s or 531s or whatever. And they'd be like, oh. And they'd try to get in behind him also. <laughs> and I don't know what the rules are or what the etiquette is, but it was like, man, you're like – like I would be right on Ben's shoulder and these men would talk to him. I could overhear the conversation and then they'd try to like squeeze in. I'd be like – like, dude, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to I don't get a podium spot here. I don't know what the here. rules are, but yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. So I have this really great picture. I think 
Dakota. I think you're in it too, Dakota. I know Sarah and Rose are in it and it's, you guys are on the bridge. It must be mile 14. I think you're still with them, Dakota, at that point. I think you're in the back of the photo, but it's like one of my favorite pictures I took the whole time. How long did you stay with Ben, Sarah? Because I know at some point it was just Ben and Rose. Um, I think mile 16, I saw my family and um, Brent said something about how uh, certain people were coming back and that I would have to like start going if I wanted to catch them. So I got a little too excited because the plan was to stay with him until 20. But so it was like a combination of that. And like I got clipped a couple more times and I just got annoyed. Um, Get me out of this group. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And Dakota at that point was like ahead of us, but we weren't closing in on her. She was just like, I could see her purple uniform like uh, down the road. And so that game, I was just like re-engaged with Dakota. And I think I caught like when I passed you on a really quiet stretch, like 17. It was, you saved my life a little bit there. I was, I was starting to fade and you passing me that ended up being one of my fastest miles. Cause it was like, okay, re-engage, like get through this really hard part. And I expected the back half of Chicago to be a little bit quieter just based on what teammates have said, but I was very thankful for you right there, oh, to be honest. Good, because I felt bad. Um, I didn't know what to say. I, like, caught up to you. You, you looked never know, right? <laughs> you looked over your shoulder, and I just go, hey. <laughs> There's never, like, a right thing to say when you're suffering, right? So it's like yeah. sometimes the silence is better. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and then I, I didn't know if I, like, I was scared to talk too much, too, because I was also riding the edge. So I was like, just... <laughs> Just like give her a Let's nod. Go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I appreciated did, it. <laughs> okay. Did you stay together at all or did you just kind of go on past Sarah? Um, I don't know. What I happened tried to hang me. on to, yeah, I okay. hung on to her for a little bit. I kind of like yo yoed and then at some point it kind of becomes a blur, but like I, at some point she faded. I faded from her. Yeah. Uh, I <laughs> just picture you going, hey. <laughs> so funny I wonder yeah I always wonder what people say when they pass um when you say the back stretch of Chicago you anticipated it being pretty quiet like which miles were you like we need more people out here it's funny you ask because it all I don't it know if, it all blurs together um wherever Sarah passed me was particularly quiet and I was I was really going through a rough spot I, maybe Sarah knows this is her second time around at Chicago so yeah it's like from mile 14 to just before mile 20 there's like cheer groups but they're really sparse so you hit these stretches where it can be really really quiet or there's just like 10 people which came in handy last year when I had to make a pit stop but um when you're like <laughs> when you're like grinding and it's it's really quiet back there and, and also the wind picked up like right around that time um so that was definitely mentally the hardest part of the course for me um because it was just trying to find anything to uh distract me and like engage with uh that yeah that part was hard so Sarah, last year you were seventh place, two twenty six twenty three. This year you're tenth place, two twenty three twenty four, with a three minute PR. Wow! Talk about like was the field just crazy stacked this year? Yeah, totally. It was super super stacked. I remember looking at the start list, kind of like I did for Boston, and I'm like, okay, everybody's running. I don't need to look at this again. Like <laughs> everybody's going to be there. Like I'm on the start list. That's all I need to know. And I definitely wanted to be top ten. Um, yeah, I just didn't know what was going to happen on the day. I was guessing that a lot of people were going to go out beyond their fitness and come back. And so that's what I was kind of hoping for. But you never know. Some people did and some people killed it and just, you know, kept going. So uh, I don't know if all majors are going to have fields like this going forward, but it's been the last two that I've been involved in are 
really, really stacked fields. So I'm trying to keep it in perspective. Like I think last year I was eight or eight minutes out of the top American spot. And this year I was like a minute and 20 seconds. That's a great way to think of it. Yeah. So like, yeah, so it's a little different, but that's how I've been gauging it. I love that. Um, Did y'all know when you passed Emma Bates, could you tell she was like injured? No, I mean, I, I figured. I, th- I figured something was not right. Uh, I think somebody on the course had told me she was cramping. Um, so that's kind of – but I couldn't tell she was limping or anything, but she definitely looked uncomfortable. Wh- when did you pass her, Dakota? I don't even know if I had a whole mile left. It was probably around a mile to go. But, again, I didn't – I thought, oh, maybe she just, like, really went for it. She gave it a full send and just mm-hmm. couldn't hang on and suffered a little bit. But I did not notice that she was limping. But I was also in, like, my own pain came. So like you're a little less aware. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Did you, um, when you said she, you thought maybe, oh, she gave it a full send and then just like, you know, that was it. That's all she had. Um, how do you think about that in these races? Like giving it a full send, like taking that risk versus like being more patient. I personally am somebody who more often than not likes to swing for the fence and knows that like that might mean having a really bad day because you went out too hard. For going into Chicago, I knew I was in PR fitness, so I really wanted to go run smart and tactical, knowing that that's what the trials are going to be like. We're going to go out pretty conservative, I'm guessing, and like having to just be smart. Um, But I am somebody who who enjoys going out to, to take a big swing? Cause you might just hit a home run, but more often than not, you're going to be suffering the last couple of miles. How do you prepare your mind for that? That suffering in the last couple of miles? Um, I don't know if there is really any great way to mentally prepare for how bad <laughs> that can hurt, but it's just like that risk versus reward knowing like I gave it my best shot. And I don't know if you can ever be disappointed with really going for it. Do you, you anticipate the trials, like everybody kind of going out a little bit slower, packing up. Do you, and this is a question for both of you, like, do you visualize like when that pack starts breaking up, what will I do? Yeah, I do. I guess that's like what I do on every run is start to visualize like when those moves are going to be made, how you're going to respond. And of course at the trials, I think you just have to say yes to every move possible until your body says no, I guess. Yeah, I um a lot of my workouts this build up I was with a pack of men. So I'd be like, Okay, today you're Molly Seidel and today you're Dakota and <laughs> I'm just gonna practice like running with them. So um yeah, they don't they're good sports about it. But like that's I definitely visualize that and um I visualize like a lot of things that happened in Chicago too, um, you know, catching people and blowing past them in the last couple miles and like just engaging and, and like being able to use my speed a little bit. The last, um, the last stretch, I, I thought about those things a lot. Mm, yeah. 1500 meter runner speed. And then I got out kicked, <laughs> but that's okay. Who out kicked like Rose? Rose. Yeah. 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 Oh, and so this is fun. I debated how to do this interview. Um, cause I'm going to interview Ben and Rose separately on Monday. Um, but originally I was like, maybe I'll put everybody on it together, but this is, but be- I think this is better cause it gives everybody more time to talk. Um, so it'll be fun to hear here. Cause you know, Ben, did you guys see that reel that Ben put? And it's like about like supporting all these women now that he has a daughter too. And I was like tearing yeah. up when I saw it. <laughs> He's so He's sweet and so selfless. Yeah. 
Hey everybody, a quick plug here. Did you know I have training plans on my website, lindsayhine.com? Uh, my friend Bridget Chamberlain just ran a huge PR in Chicago and she's using the plan. I think she can correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe for the third time, she's used the half marathon plans and the marathon plans. Uh, on my website, lindsayhine.com. They're super detailed. They're 18-week build for the marathon. Um, that gives you a good four-week base build where you're not doing anything too crazy before you jump into the bigger workouts. Um, I believe they are conservative in mileage. We have a beginner, intermediate, and advanced for the marathon, and then we have four plans for the half marathon. Uh, these are detailed. They have pace charts, and I think they are a super awesome way to train for a marathon. My husband, Glenn, and I created those together. He is a 249 marathoner. I'm a 311 marathoner. Um, though his progression might be a little more impressive than mine, taking his time from 356 down to 249, he really became like studious in the sport. And we learned a lot together over the years when we put these plans together. So if you're looking for a great training plan for a half marathon or a marathon, just go to lindsayhine.com and check on the training plans tab and get yourself set up with a great plan. All right, friends, back to the show. Okay, Sarah, you um, you mentioned in your Instagram post, like, you took more risks, like, you took, is risk the right word, like, with your That's training? Like, you put, <laughs> yeah. okay, you put more into training this time and let real estate and some other things like fall to the wayside a little bit. And I love that you just put it out there like, okay, like there's less excuses this time. Like we're, you know what I mean? Like I'm all in on this. How do you decide when to and when not to do that? Because that does to me when I hear that, I'm like, oh, I get that. Because when mm -hmm. you go all in, you're like, I feel like there's more on the line here. Yeah. So it, it was part coincidence and like part um, on purpose. The summer was really slow for real estate anyway for me. Like I think I had my slowest quarter in the last like five years. And I just kind of leaned into that where I'm like, oh, I'm not going to try to build my pipeline or like invest in, in advertising. I'm just going to like really take this break for what it is. And I also had lately been, we talked about this a little bit, like last time we talked, um, I've been feeling really pulled to like be with my kids more. You know, I have one year left with my my oldest and only a handful, you know, you know how it goes. The marbles are leaving the jar. And I just, um, I just felt really convicted to be at home and, and with my kids more this summer. Um, and then, so that was like the selfish part of it, but like it went hand in hand with letting running take up more space and just like focusing on that a little bit more. And it helps that I'm making money and running now too, because before I don't, I don't necessarily think I was in like the financial position to do that. Um, but because, you know, because Puma has graciously agreed to pay me to do this really cool thing, um, I can let it like take up a little more and not feel guilty about it. And yeah, just put it out there. But like you said, it's like, to me, it's a risk because there's no excuses. And if it doesn't go well, that just means I'm not very good. That was the scary part in my mind, you know? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so just focusing on it and like giving it a little more 
attention and energy. And I learned a lot. Um, I talked a little bit um, about this to Matt the other week, but Laura Thweet taught me a lot the last year about saying no to things because she. I, I witnessed her have this brilliant conversation with somebody who asked her to do something and she was like, sorry, I'll be training for a marathon then. And I was like, you can say that. <laughs> I, was like, I didn't know that was allowed. Um, so uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to start saying that. And people didn't get mad. People were like, oh, cool. I respect that. And I was like, all these light bulbs went off. So, um, yeah, just like protecting my own uh, physical and mental and emotional energy uh, was a big lesson I learned probably in the last year. Mm. You know, when you mentioned Laura Thweet, when you were talking about Dakota, when you were saying like, well, at the trials, you just have to like make the moves and do the moves until you can't do them anymore. I thought I was like, oh, Laura Thweet at the 2020 trials when she plays fifth. It was like her coach told her not to like go when she went but her body told her I gotta go because like this is my shot and though she didn't make the team she was fifth which is really about as close as you can get you know I mean between her and she just had Des between her and making that podium um so yeah she's an inspiration in many ways then saying no and uh swinging when when it counts yeah for sure um so what now, ladies? Like, it's October, November, December, January. Ah, uh, don't count. <laughs> yeah. When you, uh, when you stepped away at the beginning, Lindsay, I was like, where are you, Dakota? Are you on vacation like everybody else? Um, but we're both at home. Oh, <laughs> did you consider it, Dakota? What, what is your, like, post-race situation now? Um, so I just have the week off of running and then I'm, we're planning a trip to the Caribbean after the trial since we'll already be in Orlando. It just kind of makes it easy down there. Um, and I feel like that's an appropriate time to like either I'll go and be celebrating yeah. or go and like be taking my mind off of it. But either way, not having anything to train for in the near future after the trials. Who's coaching you right now? I'm coached by Chris Lundstrom and I'm still part of Minnesota Distance Elite up here. Okay, I was wondering if you were still with them. So what does that look like now that you're a different kind of runner than you were when you yeah. started? So um, I'm teammates. Annie Frisbee is on the team also. So her and I really push each other. Um, I'd say obviously we're super similar levels. And um, while I feel like um, rising waters floats all boats, I guess. So I feel like we're slowly kind of dragging people along with us and and hopefully elevating everybody else's performances so that we can all be on this level, I guess. Like my, my teammate, Joel Reichow, was in the in Chicago also, and he ran 210, which was a two-minute PR for him. So that was wow. good. Yeah. What did that put him for American men? I think he was seventh. Okay. Which is crazy that a 210 <laughs> makes you seventh now. But uh, I know, right? Yeah. Um, we're, we're all learning to rise to the occasion for sure. Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at the women who have the Olympic standard compared to the men, though, it's pretty wild, right? It is wild. Yeah. We are a bunch of badasses for sure. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, and then, Sarah, what about now that you're training with the Craigs? Like, how has that been with your family dynamic? Because obviously Brent was coaching you for a long time. How are you liking this shift? It has been so good for us. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean – Remote coaching comes with its own set of problems, you know, 
so like in a lot of ways, nothing has changed. Like I still decide when and where to run and, and kind of organize all the logistics of it, but I get the workouts from them and I get feedback from them. And, you know, I, we don't like Brent and I don't necessarily have to take up any more of our like precious time on date night, trying to plan training and stuff like that. So it's been really healthy for us. And I'm just like really proud of us for being mature enough to like see that that was the better choice. Cause it's been hard in a lot of ways. I loved sharing that part of my life and my journey with him like in that way but um but he still gets to be there like he was still my first hug after the finish line and he got to just be there as husband and dad so uh yeah it's been really really good gabby emma you dakota any other minnesotans up there um that sounds right. I mean, Molly's a Molly and Emily are Wisconsin Midwestern. Yeah. What's up with this? Midwest is best like North Midwest, too. I think I truly believe it's because we have to suffer through the most brutal of winters and it makes us tough in a different type of way. <laughs> it seriously does. It's wild. How about Gabby, though? Do you ever see her run with her or do you live near her at all? Um. I don't really ever train with her. I don't ever really come across her on runs. She works full time, which obviously just makes things a little bit trickier. And I don't know who she's even coached by, but it was a great race for her. I was super surprised and a little mad to be passed by her like with like a quarter mile to go. I was like, oh, come on. I don't have the leg speed. Oh, man, that's so hard. Did you try? Were you like, I'm good. I'm good. I tried. To oh, I gave it everything. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, you only have so much with a minute to go. A minute to go. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Gabby. And then is it Tristan Van Ward? Those are the two that were are like, I don't know if you would say less well-known names or unsponsored athletes that came through up there with a bunch of y'all that are sponsored and talked about quite a bit. I'm surprised Tristan is still kind of flying under the radar. She puts up really consistent performances and I've known her for a long time. So I, I feel like she should be more talked about for sure. I think she, I think she proved something on Sunday that she will be now for sure. For sure. Sometimes it takes a few performances like that to get people talking. And isn't it strange that like, maybe not strange, but like when you are attached to a brand and you're wearing that kit, you're just like more visible in some ways to people, maybe because the brand's talking about you. And I think you just look a little bit more legit, I guess. I don't don't know. I remember being unsponsored and being on the starting line and being like, oh, these women are just inherently better than me because I have a matching top and bottom. And uh, I think that brings some sort of like legitimacy to you. Yeah. What year did Puma, did you start working with Puma? Uh, 2021. Same, same same year. So you, you both and then Molly probably all around the same time. Molly Um, was there. Molly was a little earlier. A little um, earlier. Annie Frisbee. But Annie, we three signed like they announced it the same day in January, like 20. 22. Um, Sarah, was your whole family in Chicago? Yeah, just like last year, they got there. Well, they got there kind of late on Saturday because they had their own stuff going on this weekend. But um, they rented bikes from the same guy. He set them in the same spot. They had their same plan. Um, so Brent's cousin who lives there, uh, you know, and, and the kids, they had the, the big bike with the bike attached to it. And then the 
um, burly stroller attached to that. And then the two older ones had their own bikes. And they were so loud. Like, my oldest daughter lost her voice. I know they were cheering for you too, Dakota. Like, they were Yeah, they, they were, were everywhere nuts. and they were loud. They were everywhere. Yeah. And you could yeah. not miss them because they're like a traveling circus with their, like, big, long bike train. I don't know how they got to all the places. Last year, I was actually super nervous about it. I'm like, I'm going to be worrying about this during the race that my family's, like, trekking around Aww. Chicago on bikes. But it's totally, you know, the roads are shut down. It's safe. But, um, yeah, it was really impressive. Like, how many spots did you see them? Like, five. Wow. And then when was the last spot before the finish? Well, they saw me at the finish, but I didn't see them. Um, so, I don't know. They saw me, like, in the last mile or maybe even on the last, like, straightaway. Um, but I didn't hear them at that point. And then uh-huh. we couldn't get them into the finish line shoot. We didn't have like enough credentials. So we borrowed oh. some from, I think Dom and, um, and her pacer gave us theirs and somebody, I, I was just asking random people, can we borrow your I gave you one. Yeah. No, that's, you did. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Because the kids, the kids were stuck on the other side of the oh. fence and we needed to get them to like the Grant Park side and we couldn't. So yeah. So Dakota gave us her credentials. So well, and honestly, like once you've once you've um, had your family and like that finish line tent and like that all that VIP, it's like those kids want that food. Probably they want that oh. VIP experience. <laughs> they worked hard. Uh, Kiki tracked it on her watch, and they covered over ten miles. So they were they were hungry for sure. <laughs> oh my goodness! I am so excited for you both. Deco- One more thing, I was just thinking to ask because Dakota said that. Um, she thought like on a good day, she, what'd you say? 222 Dakota? Yeah. High 222. I thought. And the, and what was, I don't think we asked you that question, Sarah, like where, what was your expectation time wise? Um, I wanted to run 224, 225. And I thought on an A plus day, 223.30 would be like right where my, <laughs> right where my threshold of my fitness was. Um, wow. Yeah. So I just, just eclipsed it by six seconds. So uh, yeah, I mean, everything went just kind of perfectly according to plan. So I'm grateful for that. Mm, I'm so excited for both of you. What are you most excited about for these next like couple months before gearing, really gearing up for the trials in life? Oh, in life. Um, I'm excited that in like under a couple months, Annie and I are going to move down to Orlando to, to train. So I, I love uh, staying with her and we kind of have a, sim- a similar vibe. So I, I kind of always love doing a training camp with her because we've got similar goals and I feel like it really narrows my focus in. So how long will you be like, are you going to stay there until the trials? Yeah, we'll be there for two months um, going down in early December um, and then coming home short for Christmas. Mm. You're just going to go live there. Just going to go be a little snowbird down in Florida. (laughs) Do you think you'll go to Disney while you're down there? I've never been, so I do think I'm going to go to Disney, but after the trials. I think that night I'm going to go because I'm I'm somebody who, like, kind of turtles in before marathons. I like to eliminate everything like Sarah was talking about. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, well, we were just talking to Charlotte Purdue on Relay, and she's like, I've gotten sick so many times right before a marathon. Like, I'm just not risking it. Like, I just, Mm -hmm. I just like hibernate for three weeks before because there's just no point in risking it. Uh, I was sick for the two weeks leading up to Chicago. Like, every day I was just gaslighting myself into being like, I'm not sick. I am fine. And then finally, (laughs) like, Monday, I was like, okay, I'm kind of (laughs) sick. 
Sarah, you can't really hide that much, though. Those kids bring it home. <laughs> yeah, we got lots of uh, germ fronts to on the attack. Um, but I, and I was sick two weeks before too. I got over it like before I got to Chicago. But I, that was I was actually good timing. I was like two weeks out is a way better yeah. time than like before Boston. I've been sick both times. So um, yeah, and uh, similar to Dakota, I'm looking forward to. Um, I think I have some quote-unquote teammates coming to train um, in, in Boulder, the um, the Puma elite people that are going to do the trials are going to come stay in Boulder and we're going to do the build-up together. So, Do you think that like being at sea level and then going down to Chicago, like how much better do you feel than someone who's like training normally at sea level? I know that's like a really basic question. Like, like tons of athletes either train at altitude or sea level, but like, do you come down and you're just like, wow, I can breathe really well. No, I mean, it's not quite so obvious. And I think if I were to do some training before a marathon at sea level, I'd feel it. But the fact that you go and you just jog around, you're running seven thirty eight minute pace anyway. So you're not like, I don't know, really testing it beforehand. So it feels really good during the race, but I think, um, I don't really notice it before that. And Dakota, do you feel like like, do you ever want to go to altitude? When was the last time you did an altitude stint? Um, I've done two winters in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I would agree with Sarah. It's like not like the super noticeable thing until you do a workout or a hard effort. And you're like, oh, like it doesn't feel like I'm breathing through a straw to hit this pace. <laughs> I wonder how many other people are going to go down to Orlando and train like you and Annie are going to do. Obviously, Sarah, you really can't do that but like I'm gonna try to go for 10 days so I rented a house um and I don't I mean yeah it's like the worst possible timing for a big race for a family like holidays leading up I'm gonna have to really practice that saying no thing like a lot I will be tested um but I did we (laughs) I'm gonna probably go down by myself for 10 days and then they'll come down like a couple days before the race um we'll see but it's it's, now is the time to say no yeah, exactly. Now is the time. Ladies, congratulations. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, Dakota. Thank you, Sarah, for joining us on the podcast. If you all are not already following these two amazing women, go check them out on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram as well. I am Lindsay Hines 626 over there. Learn more about this podcast and all the shows in our network at sandyboyproductions.com. Thanks so much for being here, and we will see you next week on All Have Another.